0: And I thought, there's something wrong with this model. And then I thought, well, you know, if these idiots can do it, like surely I can do it as well. So <laughs> they're no <laughs> they're no smarter or, or dumber than me. So I said, okay, well, why don't I put my money where my mouth is?
1: Welcome to the Resident Recruiter podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby. And I'm excited to be joined today by Michael Reardon. Mike's the founder of Blackwater Search and Advisory, a global recruiting and consulting firm focused on the ETF and digital assets market. Prior to launching Blackwater, Mike has over 20 years experience in financial services. He started his career in investment banking, working at Deutsche Bank and RBS before moving to Credit Suisse, where he began his asset management career. In addition to Credit Suisse, Mike's worked at HSBC, BlackRock, and JP Morgan within various product roles covering mutual funds and ETFs. I've known Mike for almost three years and I've witnessed his rapid growth from a one man band with no recruitment industry experience to running a hugely successful firm operating internationally. Welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for being
0: here. Thank you very much, Mark. Pleasure to be here.
1: Awesome. So when we we first spoke back in March 2020, And you were one of the very first people who went through my Billings Accelerator program, which has now evolved into our inner circle community of recruitment business owners from around the world. And you really stood out uh, in that cohort because although you had less experience than everyone, you were leapfrogging ahead and making so much progress. I remember asking you, Mike, how are you doing this? Like what you're achieving so much in a short time. Do you remember what you told me? No idea. You said, "Mark, I'm just executing the shit out of this stuff."
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, <laughs> I remember that, yeah. <laughs> right.
1: And so now that's a catchphrase. Like that is famous. That's like in our hall of fame, uh, like you need to execute the shit out of this because <clears throat> that really is a massive you know, differentiator in terms of whether people make progress. You know, with uh as a coach um I I want people to succeed so badly like I'm really rooting for people and you can give people the frameworks the strategies the you know the the uh support the accountability but ultimately you can't make someone you know successful right that is 100% uh up to them yep. have you read um the 12 week year by Brian Moran No I have not I think you'd like it. Um, I'm reading it now because it was recommended by a few of our members. And the concept is that you try and get not you try, you have a plan in order to get more done in 12 weeks than others get done in 12 months. And of Sorry. course the key is planning and execution, which sounds obvious, but it's sort of a mindset shift that instead of like measuring things over a 12 month period, you literally measure like you you compress time so that your year is 12 weeks right and so then every week is like a month and every day is like a week basically is the like that, yeah. it's it's right. like a, it's it is a different mindset so but listen <clears throat> let's get into this what the heck is an ETF uh, first and foremost
0: I an mean, ETF is uh, the acronym for an exchange traded fund so um most people who will be listening to this um will probably have a pension, and in their pension, they will hold investment funds, which are basically uh, vehicles where you hold lots of underlying stocks. So rather than going and buying you know, 50, 100, 1,000 stocks, you would buy one fund, one product, which basically has all of these um, individual stocks w- with within it, and um, it's, it's much cheaper. It's much more efficient from an investing point of view. An exchange-traded fund is basically a fund, but it's traded on a stock exchange, like the New York Stock Exchange or the London Stock Exchange. Um, so it's exactly, it's exactly like a fund, except it trades like a security would on an exchange. So without getting too much into the technicalities of it here, it's basically, if you think about like analog versus digital, right, in terms of like music, for example, right, it's it's the it's a Spotify um equivalent of investing basically and investing vehicles. Um, you know, mutual funds, which is the old investment vehicle, would be a CD or a cassette and an ETF would be, you know, downloading your music on uh, on on Spotify. It's still music, but you're just getting it in the different formats.
1: Interesting. Good analogy. All right. That that yeah. makes a lot of sense. So Tell me, you were like you had a successful career in investment banking. Why go into recruitment? It seems counterintuitive.
0: Um, well, not really. So I'd spent like over okay. like over I think it was around 24 years working in the industry, and I'd always worked for very large organizations, like multinational organizations. And honestly, I just got I just got tired of the bullshit. I mean, most most successful people in, in Big organizations are very good at navigating internally and politics mm-hmm. and overcoming the bureaucracy and all, that, all those hurdles. And I just, just didn't have the patience for that. I'm, I'm, I'm a type of person who just who says it as they see it type thing, and that's, 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 <laughs> that's not a good trick to have when you work for these organizations because you tend to put your foot in it too much and rub people up the wrong way. And um, yeah, it just you know, it, it took me 24 years to realize that yeah, this is not for me. I, I just got frustrated and just bored of it, and and I really kind of came to the conclusion that all we're doing is just moving widgets around a spreadsheet. Basically, we're not really doing anything anything meaningful. I mean, my 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 job, most of my my jobs, were involved in like creating these new investment products and and bringing them to market, and. You know, in most cases, it's just a, the company are just trying to flog products to the to the end investor, rather than the you know, be be it the other way around and try to provide solutions to in to investors. So I just thought, you know what, like there's more to life than this, and I've had enough of it. So I decided that, you know what, I'm going to set up a recruitment business. And um, you know what, what I'm going to say might be a bit controversial here for some of your listeners, but all all through my career. I had dealt with recruiters, headhunters on on two sides from the candidate side myself looking for looking for a job myself and dealing with them and also when I was a hiring manager and looking to fill new roles and dealing with them then. And you know, I'm I'm making kind of a very sweeping generalization here but my experience was that most of them were just shits basically in terms of like how they went about their business, the service that they provided. And they were just like secondhand car salesmen. That was my kind of feeling, right? I was I was a widget. I was basically like it was something something to be to be bought or sold to a, in in the middle of a transaction. And I just thought to myself, you know what? There's something wrong. Like I, I knew they like earned lots of uh, high fees for for what they did. And I thought there's something wrong with this model. And then I thought, well, you know, if these idiots can do it, like surely I can do it as well. So. <laughs> They're no, they're no smarter or, or dumber than me. So I said, okay, well, what I like put my money where my mouth is, and um, and and set this up. And my whole, my whole kind of value proposition was that look, I've worked in the industry a long time myself. You know, I can I can walk the walk and and talk the talk. I I know I know the language of the candidate. I know the language of the hiring manager. So there's some there's some value there. So that was my my logic kind of um kind of behind it and. That's the reason I, I set up the recruitment business, but, you know, I was like totally naive and even though like, you know, it's three years, it's just, it's like, for me, I'm still totally naive in a lot of, in a lot of things. Um, I had no experience whatsoever of sales beforehand. Um, wow, okay. no idea about marketing. I was, I was a product guy. I built like products and did project management and technical type stuff, right? Um, you know, selling selling ideas to people and and managing people and influencing it. that was not me at all, not at all. And uh, so, um, I see, seriously underestimated the the learning curve and what was involved in it. And like you know, I'm still even if I look at where I am in terms of the learning curve, I'm still at the at the base of Mount Everest. There's and when I when I look up, there's a there's a there's a wall in front of me still. So um, for me, it's still it's still very early days. But basically, that's why I got into the markets, and that's why I started a recruitment business. But then the business evolved, and now we've got, it's a, we've got two businesses now. It's got, so there's two pillars. There's a the recruitment pillar, and then there's a consultancy pillar as well. And the consultancy pillar is, um, is, is different to the recruitment in the sense that we help companies who want to get into this particular industry. Um, and we help them in terms of like, you know, here's to do the due diligence. This is how you enter the market. This is how you build the business. This is how you, um, you deal with, you know, distributing your products across different markets. And we do that predominantly in Europe, um, because Europe is quite a, a technical market. So, so it's basically me leveraging off of my product experience. Cause I, 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 built like a number of ETF businesses at some of the firms you mentioned. So I've kind of, I know how to do this. And it's just me taking that knowledge that was in my head and now trying to offer it as a service to clients, to firms, um, to asset management companies who want to, um, to enter the ETF business in Europe. So completely separate business to, to the recruitment business. Sometimes they cross over. So for example, if, uh, if I have a consulting client and they want to build a business from scratch, as part of building a business, you want to hire a team. So there's a, there's a kind of a crossover at some stage. But. But sometimes it there's no crossover and they just run in parallel. So so that's that's essentially it.
1: I can see how they're hugely complementary though in terms of yes. not only the crossover, but just the marketing and the, you know, everything else. So just circling back to your early days in recruiting and and look, perception is reality. So that was your perception of recruiters. And um obviously I don't I don't share that opinion. I, I'm sure, you know, at, like every industry, there's, there's people who are better than others. Absolutely. Right. And, Absolutely. um, and, and there for sure are going to be some bad actors as well who are, you know, manipulative and, uh, and, and self-serving. But I, in my experience, having been in this industry for 25 years and, and, um, I, I, I feel like most people don't get out of bed in the morning thinking I'm going to do a crap job today. Right. Um, it could be, you know, lack of experience, lack of training, or um, you know, I, there's there's a number of factors. In fact, uh, I had a guest on the show, Somer Hackley, uh, who who wrote a book about executive search called um executive search demystified. And she and I chatted a lot about this. Like, why you know, why do customers have such a bad experience of our industry? And we kind of delved into that in in terms of like the 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 dynamics, the 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 target pressure, the deadline pressure, you know, and and how we get you know uh, incentivized and all that, all that sort of thing. But um, do you feel like you have any more empathy for the recruiter now that you've experienced it on the other side?
0: No. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I think, and I, I I I totally share your your opinion there. And I'm like, and I, as I said, I'm I am making a sweeping generalization, which is completely unfair. And maybe I just came across, you know, you know, the wrong people, and then you know, it's, and of course, different people in different industries are, that's not the same. I, but I think my my biggest gripe is that, um, I think there's the ones that I experienced. Anyway, they were they were. I could feel they were taking too many. Like knowing knowing what I do now, they were taking too many shortcuts, basically. Right. Right. Uh-huh. They, they wouldn't take the time to really get to know you. Well enough, and understand what you as a candidate, what your goals and aspirations were, and how they could add value value to that. And they didn't they didn't seem to kind of um, give any value to a long term relationship, right? One of the things we all know now is that you know a candidate can become a client, right? Of course. Well, the people that I spoke to back then, like that that message clearly clearly hadn't hadn't been communicated to them because they weren't they weren't behaving in 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 that manner, but. I mean, when I when I say about kind of you know taking shortcuts, you know I've had cases and experiences to me in the past whereby my CV would have been sent out to a firm without my prior knowledge, right? That's just right. A That's logo, absolutely right? poor. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That, is, that is poor, and I, and, I <clears throat> and I'm not in my industry. I'm not the only one who's had that happen. To. That's a pretty frequent occurrence. Yeah. So, like you know, it's those kind of little things that you know just. Don't resonate well with the with the Yeah, with-
1: absolutely. I, I agree hundred percent with that. I think it's that um I it's probably the the qual I know so many outstanding, you know, really exceptional recruiters, not just in terms of their professionalism, but just their character and their personality and everything else. And so I think I probably have a skewed view because the people that I'm surrounded by and I'm attracting to to work with are you know and on this on this podcast are are high quality individuals yeah. so that's maybe not you know an accurate representation of the whole industry
0: no for sure and and the point i think you make a good point because you you see it from maybe from the lens of the recruiter right you don't you don't always see it from the lens of the candidate were whereby i have seen it from the lens of the candidate a long time and even like speaking to all of the all of the colleagues i've had in 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 and over the course of my career, pretty much all of them share the same view that that I I held about recruiters. That yeah, there's just no respect for the for the recruiters because most of them have had similar experiences whereby their CV has been sent out without their knowledge, or they just feel like they're like a widget in the transaction here. So, um, for sure, like look on the on
1: the candidate side of the equation in particular, um, I think the as an industry recruiters don't always do the best job and um you know i in terms of what you're talking about cutting corners i mean that's just that's that's so basic to you know get to know someone understand their aspirations uh look seek to have a long-term relationship uh set ground rules in terms of you know and and identify companies that are aligned with their goals and then you know get their approval before you know shortlisting them for a position and so on and so forth. That's just so basic like you right. wouldn't you wouldn't think you would even need to explain that. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I, I hear where I come from. On the other hand, that's in some ways a good thing because it's so easy for you to differentiate.
0: Sure. Yeah. Like I I keep on saying to the guys on my team like the bar the bar is low right in terms of from my point of view in terms of the, the the standard and being able to differentiate yourself, the bar the bar is very low. And even again, you know, going back, I remember an experience my I had you know towards the end of my kind of my other career, whereby I did come I came across this recruiter and he he actively kind of sat down with me and said, okay, what kind of firms are are of interest to you? And I said, well, I'd like to you know like this ABC are, are really interesting. And then he proactively went out to those firms and and got me got me a coffee with 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 the relevant people in, in in those companies, and I was like, "Wow, this guy is amazing right like that's that's just awesome he in an instant he just completely differentiated himself for, from every other recruiter I'd ever spoken to just by you know taking that extra step and from wow. his point of view, it was like it was like a you know a 10 second phone call or an email type thing it was nothing for him but from my perception, it was like, "Gosh, this guy is incredible." He's like, "This is the best recruiter in the world." <laughs> That's hilarious.
1: <laughs> and so now, and now you know that like MPC marketing is just pretty standard. That's nothing yeah, special.
0: Exactly. exactly yeah. <clears throat> if you have a
1: fantastic candidate, which I'm sure you, you know, you you were, he's just thinking, "Well, someone's going to hire my career, to, and I may as well be the one who gets the fee nope, for it's it."
0: No brainer. Yeah. But like that was yeah. that was the only guy in over 20 <clears throat> years that had ever done that. Wow. so...
1: If you're a recruitment business owner, you might be feeling the pressure to invest in new technology. But how do you invest in technology that is proven to win higher paying clients? Otherwise, overall, you're just making a financial loss. Our trusted partner, iintro, has a solution for this. They provide recruiters with an online delivery platform for the candidate shortlist. So instead of sending over CVs or resumes, you can send your clients an online profile that includes video, key competency questionnaires and behavioral assessments. It looks more professional than a CV or a PDF, plus it helps the client make a more informed decision about who to call to interview. But that's not all, iintro also provides recruitment business owners with coaching for their team, not just to help them use the software, but to help them use it to win more retained business. Their comprehensive training program is specifically designed to help recruiters at all levels of experience develop a retained recruitment service. In fact, many of the hundreds of recruitment businesses they've worked with win a brand new retained client after only a few weeks of getting started. To see iIntro in action, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to book a free demonstration. There's no obligation. Plus, you'll also be helping to support this podcast. That's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Mike, I honestly think you've just, like, you've dealt with some horrible recruiters. I I, I think you're window into the industry is uh, has was tainted by just a few maybe maybe I'm, maybe
0: I'm traumatized it. Oh. yeah
1: i think so i think so but listen you you referenced your team there so can you describe the size and shape of the organization now like 3 years 3 i guess 29 4 years in
0: yeah um so there is i think it's um there's a 11 of us in, in in total now so it's still it's still pretty small um so i've got Four, there's four people doing four people doing recruit no four or five five people doing recruiting and that, that's split from actually like the recruiters and 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 support people, researchers type type individuals. And then um I've got a couple of um business development people um and uh a couple of people who helped me on the on the consult inside and then um i've got one one marketing person soon to be two marketing people so that's kind of how it's it's structured right now and i i'm, I'm one of these people who cuz you know i've heard in from listening to your your material and being on some of your your courses before a lot of people kind of like add... Give a lot of value to the size of the team, or like you know, my my goal is to have ten people, twenty people, hundred people over the course of time. I don't really I don't understand that thinking because for me, like as the business grows, you'll you'll have as many people as you need. so if you need to have hundred people, that means like the business is really good. but if you if you only need to have ten people to achieve your objectives, then then tens the number, right? So, it's not the number of people that count, it's like what the output is and what uh what the end result is. So so for me that that always comes first. So if I think, yeah, look, we've got more business than we can handle right now, we need another person, then yeah, I'll go and I'll hire another person. So that's kind of how I how I think about it. But when I when I was structuring the team and I and I kinda got this from, from speaking with you and from listening to to some of your um your your material and, and your podcast guests. Hiring like a marketing person was like probably one of the first things I ever did, um, because for me, just building building my building my brand and 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 positioning myself as that kind of subject matter expert, which is like high on my priority list, has been absolutely kind of key to our success so far. And and for me, I'd, I'd much prefer to have a business whereby it's all inbound kind of leads generated as opposed to having to go out and. And hunt for them every day. So I'm all for picking the fruit off the uh off the off the lowest hanging fruit rather than, you know, having to get a ladder and climb to the top of the tree. So so marketing and, and building that kind of marketing machine is yeah, it's still a work in progress, but like high on my anybody who's starting the industry now, it would for me that would be I would strongly recommend they start with uh with a with a marketing person or a marketing team.
1: It's really interesting, Mike, because, um, so your first marketing person was employee number what?
0: Um, probably employee number two. So I, I, again, following your advice, I hired like an an assistant, um, and that was employee number one, just to do like all the stuff that I didn't want to do. And then the marketing person was, was number two, I would say. And I, I've, there's. There's definitely a kind of a, a strong correlation between um, what happened with the business pre-hiring that marketing person and post-hiring that marketing person. Um, Can you yeah. elaborate on that? Like in, in, ter- in terms of the brand recognition, in terms of firms that 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 know us now. So, without without naming names, I mean, when I had started, you know, there's certain firms that. You know, just would not have even like wouldn't wouldn't have given given us a second look, right? Because they they don't know who we are. We're like we're kind of we're we're dotting the kind of ocean, and now the, and these are like global global firms like massive firms, household names. And now the actually we had a, we had a really cool example before Christmas whereby we did this we did this video series, and we published it on LinkedIn and send it out to our distribution network. And one of these like really big global asset managers, basically reached out to us and said, oh, look, we saw you did this. We'd love to collaborate with you on something similar. And I was like, that is just awesome. I was, I was just so happy when I, when I got that email that day because for me, it just meant like this is working, right? We've got that brand recognition is coming now. And like three years ago, like like that person would never have reached out to me, no way. But it was just that, you know, little bit, one brick at a time, day after day, just, just building the kind of the, building the brand, um just being in people's faces and um and it and it works, but you like you have to have something kind of meaningful behind it and and you know producing kind of like quality content of like that really serves a value is is kind of core to to the whole to the whole thing that underpins the whole messaging really
1: a hundred percent and you like just look at your website Blackwater search, you've implemented like The thing with you, Mike, is you implement like crazy. So, like basically everything I've ever suggested to you, like it's (laughs) done. Like I, it's already it's up on the website. I can see you taking action, which is fantastic. Um, I'm just wondering why it took because you you finally launched a podcast. Why did it take you so long to do the podcast? I told you like two years ago to do a podcast.
0: Well, the the so the I remember the very first conversation I had with you. you told me you, you probably told this to everybody, everybody else as well. <laughs> you told me, oh, you should launch a podcast. It's a great way to uh, to generate leads. You should definitely launch a podcast. And I was like, yeah, it should. I just didn't have the confidence back then to to, to do that. Is probably the honest answer. I mean, the idea of, and I, I suppose a lot of people will 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 like resonate with with this. Is that I, I even remember my first kind of LinkedIn post like that. I just felt vulnerable, right? You're putting yourself out there and you're you're lining yourself up to be shot down or to be criticized and that's that's a vulnerable position when you're not used to it and i, I, I certainly was in that camp so you know being of that mindset to like you know lord yeah you should do your own podcast so i was like whoa dude this is just uh this just seems like a million miles away even like doing videos right which was that like it's one thing to do to do like a post something on linkedin but then like actually, do a video on your you know you're you're out there, and then um to have your voice recorded and do podcasts So for me that was like a that was a, a journey i, I kind of needed needed to and sometimes people people are just like at a, a point in time and come in your life when you're just ready to do something or you're not i mean even I still remember now, like a couple of years back when i when I worked at j p morgan I, I I distinctly remember this example. I was sitting one Friday night. I was sitting in a pub with a very good friend of mine, a colleague of mine, and he, he was a guy who was, he always wanted to have his own business, always talking about entrepreneurial ideas. I could do this and I could do that, and I was there like, "Yeah, that sounds great, but that's not me. I'm—I'm like—I'm a salary guy, and I always will be a salary guy. And I like when I look at myself now and compare myself to the to the guy sitting in that pub. I'm just like, who is that? They're two different people. I could. I could not in my wildest imaginations could I have uh, um, seen myself kind of to where I am now and, you know, and launch my own business. So sometimes you just, you just need to be like, things happen, you're like, shit happens, right? So, you know, some, something happens in your life and then, you know, a spark happens and now now you're ready to do something that a year ago, perhaps you were not. So that's an amazing, amazing story, Mike. So like,
1: <clears throat> I'm really curious, you've. You're describing a, a transformation or like a personal development, you know, uh, evolution in, in mindset and in confidence, uh, from being someone who couldn't even imagine starting a business to like then starting your own business to then someone who like, didn't feel like you had the, you, the confidence to do a podcast and now you're doing a podcast. What was the shift, you know, what caused that shift, for example, to feel Okay, now I'm ready to do a video or now I'm now ready to start posting content on LinkedIn. Okay, now I'm ready to do a podcast. What what would you attribute that to?
0: Um just to kind of, you know, that that just get shit done mentality. I'm like I'm kind of I'm all, you know, I'm all of the mindset that look, just just do it and make it up as you go along, right? I I could I could be sitting here and working, and I've, you know, I've had examples of this in the past, and you know, observing people who work with me as well, where you're just trying to, before you actually release something, you want to get it perfect. It has to be absolutely perfect. The perfect podcast, the perfect whatever it is, right? The perfect report. And you just spend so much time just trying to like, you know, trying to get it done. Whereas just 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 do it today. Just just get it done. It doesn't have to be perfect. You'll over the course of time and get better and better. Um, I think the most important thing is just to just to do it, and uh, and that's for me that's way more important than trying to make it perfect before I do it, right? Hundred uh, percent. And you know, some people it just they it has to be they they're perfectionists, right? It has to be hundred yeah. percent before they're happy with it. I'm like, well, it was seventy percent. That's good enough for me. Now we'll we'll work on the other thirty over the course of time and make it better. like
1: you you're that is so true listen perfectionism has cost me millions of dollars (laughs) seriously over if i look back over my like the the progress i've made laterally is like if if i look at my 21 years as a coach the progress is glacial it's so slow over time and then like we've had the it's almost like compound interest like if you know those investment you see the chart of like uh investing for the long term and what you know the power of compound interest i'm now getting that up that upward rise uh finally but uh i think the reason it didn't tick up sooner is procrastination yeah. perfectionism is another word for procrastination right it's um making excuses yeah. and 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 like overly and like analyzing everything and uh i'm I'm so over that, but uh, it's it's still hard for me to push. You know, I have to keep pushing, pushing against that uh, tendency.
0: I could no, I I totally understand that. I think you know from when I was one of the kind of things that really kind of resonated with me was um the guy that founded Reed Hoffman, I think his name is. So he has a he has a a podcast as well, Um, and I remember like listening to one of his podcasts and he was saying that. You should be you should be embarrassed by the first product that you that you launch and i think <laughs> like now now what i now now i understand what he means by that is that like you know it doesn't have to be perfect just just get it out there and then you'll you'll kind of you'll you'll you'll, you'll polish it over over time right yeah and that's kind of you know I, I kind of took that on and that's what i'm what i'm trying to do now and there's there's lots of stuff that i have and what i know is is like it'll, it's going to be a hundred times better you know in six months' time, and a year down the line, and I look back and say, "Oh my gosh, that was horrible back then." But it doesn't—it doesn't matter. It's the fact. What matters is that you're actually doing it now, and you're learning as you as you do it, and you're getting better. And uh, you know, when you're when you're trying to like that, the whole kind of perfectionism is like you're you're working in, in this bubble, like you're working in your your little laboratory. Well, you don't you don't you don't live your life in a laboratory, right? You live your life on the street, so you you got to get out there.
1: Yes. Well said. Absolutely. So, so, I'm. I want to circle back to marketing because I think it's something you've done a particularly good job uh, with, and it's compensated for. Like you, you told me that you still feel like you have a lot to learn in terms of recruitment, and that you still like are are on that learning curve, and yet your results are superior. I'd say to ninety percent of other recruiters and recruiting firms out there. Like you are definitely already hit the top ten percent of the industry globally, with only four years experience, and I I, there's a number of reasons for that. I mean, obviously your mindset, your psychology, your subject matter expertise in the industry you serve, obviously is a factor. I think marketing has allowed you to punch above your weight, Mike. Um, And in fact, looking, sorry, go ahead. No, uh, definitely, yeah. Uh, Is that your? You've got an award on your shelf there. Is that your award for? your content
0: that's an award for content we won last year which again I got a I got a massive kick out of that because you know you said punching above our weight so we this is like one of these kind of industry awards um that that take place in Europe and and we were we were um uh put forward for best content piece of the year and we were up against multinationals right with like research teams and and we, we we won right, and I was like, this is some, like this is awesome. Like <laughs> it's like it's David versus Goliath, like in a at a massive scale. So, um, you know, these little wins just give me a massive kick because I do I do realize we are totally um punching above our weight, but um, that's the goal. Beautiful. So, could
1: you give uh, a few specifics around like what you're doing on the marketing side in order to have that positioning where you are now getting recognition from huge global players?
0: Yeah. So, um, we do a, no- a number of things. So, one of the first things we started to do was we um, published a weekly newsletter, and it's it's a very simple document, basically. So It just summarizes, it's a global document and we have it split by region, like US, Europe, and Asia. And all it does is basically summarize sort of news clips from what's going on in those regions every week. And the the reason I I did that was twofold was because, one, as as a user, like when I was kind of sitting at the desk, this kind of thing would be very useful because there's so much information out there, right? So if I had one document which kind of summarizes everything quite nicely... Um, that's going to be useful for me. So, as a user, I thought mm, this is quite useful. So let me kind of produce this. But then I also thought, well, this is a great way for for us just to to you know to to um get in front of people every single every single week, right? It's just trip trip trip. We we land into their email boxes every Tuesday morning. So they subconsciously they all know who who, who Blackwater is, right? That's the goal. So and the idea being that oh, when well, they need to. They want to like make a hire or they want to do a consulting project then you know hopefully we are the first person that um that has come to mind so it's kind of like that one-on-one marketing get into their subconscious right so that was the idea of the newsletter and uh you know over time it, it's 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 growing we get we get great feedback from it and people say look this is amazing and uh, it's definitely the best newsletter out there in the space and i'm like you know i, I, I really uh, appreciate that feedback so so the newsletter has been going like since the beginning now. And so we do that. Um we do like um thought piece reports. So uh the goal like last year we were doing like one a quarter, and this is a big kind of you know fifteen, twenty page document which could talk about a particular a particular theme within within the industry, right? So a very kind of technical document. Um and the idea the idea of those documents is you know to, to position us as subject matter experts, right? Um, because you really need to know what you're talking about to produce these, these documents. Um, and they, they have been useful again, you know, for that reason, but also in terms of like generating business opportunities as well, which like underpins the whole thing, right? You want to generate inbound leads. So we produced, uh, these like thought pieces. We do like, a um, a salary survey, which we've talk- sorry,
1: Mike. Just a comment there. When you say thought piece, I would call it a market insight report. Like you're, uh, you're providing insight. It's like an executive briefing sort of document, Probably right?
0: Insight, yeah, on a particular, like yeah, um, yeah, Okay, fantastic. Um,
1: so, salary yeah. survey, you were about to say.
0: Uh, we like we've we've done the salary survey. we've done we've kind of done this every on an on a every two year basis at the moment. Um, so again, you know that's a piece of that's visa content and obviously that's been very successful because everybody loves seeing that type of information um so we do that um videos is something that we we started to break into uh last year where we were again we could pick um we could pick a kind of a topic and maybe do a kind of a series of videos around around them so one 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 example is that like last year at the end of last year we did. We did a series of videos with a with a company called Vanguard, who are like a very well well known um, international investment company. And we it was it, all all of these are their education pieces, right? So my, my kind of mantra is um, I sell, sell via education, right, rather than like hey, you know, I've got any jobs type thing. We're trying to pr- we're trying to provide value for, first and foremost um, by you know by educating the industry. But anyway, so this was a series of videos around how how ETF distribution works around 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 Europe, right? And we we recorded these videos with various vanguard sort of um, people uh, across Europe and, and published those. And now we're going to do another series around another topic in the industry. Ultimately, my goal would be I'd like to, I'd like to have a, a what I'm going to call a portal whereby I've got all of this industry content in this portal. And we can split it by subjects and themes and whatever. And then people can, and if they want to learn about the industry, they can go in, pick their subject and listen, and watch a couple of videos. So, you know, that's that's what I would like to do at some stage in the future. And this is like, you know, education, giving back, providing value. That's the kind of the underpinning all of this. So, So the videos as we do, like the podcasts, as we kind of mentioned, I started that. Think in in November, something like that. So the early days and that. Um, the podcasts I find, I I really should have listened to your advice three years ago because, in terms of it being, a way to like walk through that door in terms of like you know so for example, I've I've reached out to people that I've had no prior relationship whatsoever, never spoken to this person, and I could have said hey. Mr. Joe, um, I'm a recruiter. Could we work with you? And they're going to go, yeah, go away. No, thanks. But instead I've gone, Hey, you know, I've got this podcast. This is what we do. Blah, blah, blah. Would you be a guest? And they've gone, yeah, I'd be a guest. And then, you know, having a chat with them, you're building a relationship. They're going, so what do you guys do? Well, we do this, this, and this. Oh, that's interesting. Well, maybe we could work together. Like, boom, you know, it's just, uh, it's another way in the door. Right. So, um, 100%. hundred percent, so
1: that's what we call our expert interview strategy, and that's you've just given a really nice summary of of how that works Mike. um so newsletter market insight reports salary survey video series because.
0: podcast podcast anything else um that's it web webinars is something I haven't done yet, but something i <laughs> I want to do um this year as well, so that's on that's on the to do list. Um, awesome. That's yeah, that's kind of it for now. Fantastic. Open to suggestions if you have. Yeah, any. well, <laughs>
1: webinars, hundred um, percent. Let me know when you're ready to do that. I can definitely help with that. I've been doing, I've done probably a few thousand webinars over the last fifteen years or so. When I started doing webinars, Mike, you had to explain what a webinar was. People didn't yeah. know. Like they were like, wait, what? And you're like, it's like a telephone conference, except it's over the internet. And you had to like, so every time I marketed it, I had this paragraph at the bottom, what is a webinar? And then like having to explain the concept to people so that they would know what it was that I was asking them to sign up for.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Have you ever dreamed of launching, scaling, and one day selling your recruitment business? If so, I highly recommend you speak to Recruitment Entrepreneur. Founded by former Dragon's Den star James Kahn, Recruitment Entrepreneur is the world's leading private equity firm specifically focused on the recruitment industry. They invest in startups and scale-ups and have already backed over 30 founders. There's no reason why you couldn't be their next joint venture partner. James's first company, Alexander Mann, sold in 2013 for $260 million. His second venture, Humana International, He grew with Doug Bugie to over 140 offices in 30 countries before selling to MRI. James and his team are actively looking for ambitious recruiters from across the United States and around the world who want to partner with them to launch and scale successful recruitment businesses. They provide the funding, expertise, mentoring, and back office support to make your dream a reality. To learn more about recruitment entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC as in venture capital. Book a discovery call with them and be sure to tell them that you were sent by Mark Whitby in the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. So, and look, just wanted to point out a couple of things. Newsletter, great place to start. And what's awesome is that this is an example of how you've not let perfectionism stop you because like the way that your newsletter is now compared to when you first started, it is so much better. Like the content is more or less the same, but just the whole presentation right. of it, the, 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 the way it looks and everything, it it looks fantastic now, Mike. And I don't feel that was always the case, but you just, you just improved it as you went along. And yeah. Yeah. the other interesting thing was, you got, even in its earliest form, people liked it. They appreciate it. The, the value of the information was so good. And the other beauty of that is you were not, like some of the things you're doing now, like the market insight, the videos, the podcast, You're um, you're sharing your industry knowledge. And there's a lot of effort that goes into those. The newsletter, you were almost curating information right. that was already out there and putting it in one place, right? So- in yes. terms of effort versus reward, um I'm not saying there's no effort because even just deciding which pieces are relevant, which are going to be the most interest to in my market, obviously you have to know your market in order to determine that, yeah, but you didn't have to like write articles or that kind of stuff.
0: No no, as you said, it's just basically you're you're curating and just 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 sorting information in uh in a in an easy to digest format for for individuals, so there's no rocket science behind it like anybody. Anybody can go out and 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 do this, and as you also said, like people people appreciated the, the the content, right? It was they most of them really don't give a crap about the format, right? But what you actually have in there is is more important than how it, how it looks. Yeah, of course, making it look nice is is a cherry on the cake, but that shouldn't prevent you from just going out and starting just just to do it, right? If you've got something that's going to be of use to people, then just just uh, focus on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned doing videos. That seems like a big leap in terms of effort and also mm, confidence because it's one thing sending out a newsletter where you're curating information, and it's industry statistics and knowledge about like what's happening in your market and then salary survey again you're like doing research, uh putting your thoughts out there. Um how did you get like talk to me about the thought process of starting to do videos because this makes most people just so uncomfortable and uh they don't like the way they sound, they don't like the way they come across on camera. They you know, it just gives them pangs of anxiety.
0: So how did you how did you make that leap? So like again, like I, I hated the way, it, hated the way I sounded. Never like I would run a mile from, <laughs> from a recording of my my voice. And now I'm just like I'm just kind of used to it. You just you just get used to anything basically. that's yes. right? that's how humans humans operate. Like I like the videos are like they're not a they're not a really they're not a big deal in terms of like the effort because they're 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 interviews with other people. So all you got to do is ask the questions. Like the the other person is doing all of the work. So. Um, I, it's 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 not like kind of the the reports, right? Uh, which take a lot of effort because we actually basically have to write those ourselves. Whereas the, the the videos or even the podcasts, right? It's the other person's doing all of the work. You're just sitting there asking asking the questions. And um, so, look, it's just just taking that leap again, right? Okay, you don't you don't like the way you sound. You don't like the way you look. Just get over it. <laughs> exactly. after 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 a couple of after a couple of episodes, you just won't even notice anymore. And I and I promise you that if you start doing videos today or whatever you want, and it generates results, then you'll be you'll be super glad you started to do it, and you won't give a crap how you sound or how you look anymore. So um, that's what I
1: exactly, would say. Mike. I'm so, well said, well said. Because I think well, there's two two aspects. Number one is um how badly do you want the results because like if this strategy is going to get you those results faster or get you even better results you know aren't you willing to do what it takes to 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 achieve that goal and if it means being uncomfortable and you know n- having to record a video then isn't the end result worth it and and number 2 so that's more from a self-interest point of view but i would argue also like if you you have a duty and an obligation to share what you know and with as many people as possible and try and have a bigger impact on the world in a positive way and if you like don't share that knowledge and that value outside of the few people that you're able to interact with like in person, like candidates and clients who you interact with on a day-to-day basis, yep. then you're really doing your market a disservice, and you're you're also like, I don't know. It seems selfish to hold back on your knowledge that could help totally. somebody else.
0: Totally. Absolutely. Because you know, at the end of the day, like the reason we we're, we we do what we do now is that we want to like we want to make a difference, right? We want to add value and and really feel that. Yeah, what I'm what my work is meaningful here. I'm actually doing something that is benefiting others. So you you owe it to to yourself and everybody else to to share that. So look, I, I would just say just get comfortable being uncomfortable, basically, right. you know? Um just get over it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is a powerful statement. I, I love that. And
1: um I think that's so important. Like it, 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 like that relates to everything in life doesn't it might get totally comfortable That's- being uncomfortable and like if you're not uncomfortable you're probably not you're you're not trying hard That's enough the- you're not pushing yourself um I I, you would,
0: know- I I would definitely i would definitely agree with that one because you know i've 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 um i've worked on stuff like like last year and, and even now where i'm like holy shit how how do i do this i have i have no idea. i've said yes to a client Without having any idea how I'm gonna do it, but you'll just figure it out, right? You'll figure it out, and uh, and I think when when our when our backs are to the wall, that's when we really kind of realize that there's stuff within us that we can do we never we never really imagined. But in order to kind of to get to that moment of realization, your back does need to be against that wall, right? Because when you're living in your comfort zone the whole time, nothing ever happens. I suppose it's like going to the gym, right? If you're you're not really kind of like working out and, you know, falling out of the gym every day, then your your muscles are not gonna grow or you're not gonna get fitter. So you gotta take your body to to the edge in order to to make it grow. And it's the same with your business, right?
1: Absolutely. I, I noticed we we've got the same watch or a similar watch on. Uh and Running for me was that example of like I hated it, Mike. I, I remember you saying I, that. Yeah. I never, I, like, I was never a runner. I did work out at the gym. I enjoyed that. It didn't feel like, although you're putting effort in, it didn't feel as taxing, like, of your whole system and, um, like, from your just, yeah, I absolutely hated it. And and then I realized that's the reason to do it. Totally and you're yeah. just making excuse you're wimping out because you don't enjoy it, and th- that's why you must do it and so and that's been a huge personal journey for me, which has impacted so many other areas, not yeah. just because i 'm now in really good shape, but also just the mental shift of gears in order to get yourself to do something that you that you hate <laughs> that you find like really uncomfortable and then get yourself to do it consistently and find. And actually, now it's at the point where that's not uncomfortable enough. So then you need to find something else. You either need to reset the goal, which I did last year. I ran a half marathon, which again, like, I would have never imagined I could even do that. It just seemed yeah. like such an impossible thing to do. Yeah. And then you just either need to reset the bar, or you need to find <laughs> something else that makes you uncomfortable to pursue yeah. next. What? Um, then like once
0: once you've once you've done it, once you've achieved it, I mean the. The sense of purpose you feel is just—it's—it's it's incredible, right? It's like the—it's the wind under your under your sails or under your wings, right? So, it's—it's yeah. it's definitely worth it when you do put yourself out there and and just just go for it.
1: So, what you said about your back against the wall and like being uncomfortable—you know—get comfortable being uncomfortable, and tying this back into business and marketing and podcasting, it—I we help a lot of people launch their podcast. I think. Uh, like we've had three or four people launch this month. We've probably got twelve or fifteen of our members who ha- have podcasts now. Um, and the best way to overcome the procrastination is book your first guest, because when you have that commitment in your calendar to actually you're going to do it, you had just have you'll figure it out. You have to figure it out. Whereas if you Say well, I'm going to get the artwork done and the music and the website set up and the equipment and everything. You, I'm going to do all that first, and then I'll start reaching out to people. You'll probably never do it.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I did as well. I was like, I, I last year I knew I it was on my list of, of to do um, things, and then as as the year was was going on, it was it was still on the list of to dos, and and <laughs> I was like, hang on a second, I need to get this done, so. That's what I actually just did. I, I reached out just to a bunch of people said, look, I'm, I'm starting this podcast. Will you be a guest? And like the first person that came back and then said, yes. Then I was like, okay, holy shit. I actually need to uh, make this happen now for whenever the point, whenever the the, the recording is going to be. So that really was a kind of kick in the ass that I, that I needed to just get it done. So I'll totally agree with you on that point, Tim. Yeah. Awesome. So Mike, um, you you've already shared like you're more about
1: being lean and mean and and having uh, a profitable business rather than having a, a a huge business. But what is the vision like over the next year to three years? What's next at Blackwater?
0: World domination. <laughs> oh, just that, just that. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, no. To I suppose you know when you when you start off, you you kind of you can either decide. Whether I want this to be a lifestyle business or I actually want to, you know, launch something that has the ability to kind of run on its own and and take a take a life of itself, and I I wasn't I wasn't sure what I kind of wanted to begin with, and then I suppose it just kind of naturally kind of fell that actually no I wanted this to be like a, a proper business that that can that can run without me and then that, like. And and right now the goal is, you know, you mentioned this book that, that the twelve hour the twelve week a year book or whatever. That's like my goal is to have this business run without without me being necessary or me being the kind of the 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 key that kind of spins the the whole the whole wheel. That's when I when I get to that position then I know like I've I've been successful. Um how how big that wheel turns out to be, you know, this for me the, the sky is, is the limit. I I still feel that I'm just sort of scratching the surface and and there's so many you know our products or you know it's what it's version one o one at the moment, and you know we can go a lot higher in terms of the the quality and um and what we do um and like you know there's so many things in the recruiting space, yeah you can choose to have a recruiting company, but there's there's so many other things that can spin off from that right you could have a training kind of um um business right which kind of falls very naturally into into the recruiting which is which is something that that uh that we're in the process of 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 launching as well um we have an executive co oh, i forgot one of the people who work with we have an executive coach who work, who works with us now as part of the team and um and you know building out a kind of a um a a training business is is just you know, i see it as just a, another a natural progression of in terms of the recruiting business, um, the consulting business that we have. Um, we've just started a, a, PR for, a PR kind of service, which I see is a, just a, a natural progression of, of that as well. Um, I mentioned to you about, you know, I, I'd like to have this sort of like training and development portal whereby people can go in and, and watch videos about different segments of the industry. And I'd I'd love to I'd love to kind of you know build that into something kind of like proper and meaningful and and commercialize that. So I've got I've got like a thousand ideas in my head <laughs> about other stuff we can we can do. Yeah. Um. And I, I guess the the challenge for me is like, okay. Well, what do I focus on? The kind of the bread and butter, or not right now? Like and you know keep my eyes my eyes on the prize, or do I? Sort of like you know, try and expand and and add add on all these kind of complementary businesses and really kind of uh you know shoot for the stars and you know there's two ways of looking at it right you should mm-hmm. almost, you know um always pay attention to what pays the bills um but you know again, going back to being uncomfortable you gotta have you gotta aim big right you gotta have have big big ambitions because. If you if you set the bar low, then you'll probably get low results. But if you set the bar like, crazy high, you may not reach it, but you'll you'll reach a hell of a lot higher than if you just set the bar low, right? So that's kind of um that's kind of my mindset. It's kind of I love little, it. It's a, I, I'm I may crash and burn or <laughs> or become a superstar, you know, <laughs> one or the other. I love it,
1: Mike. That's a perfect way to like wrap up the podcast with that um i mean i i can't really add anything to what you've just said so this has been awesome thanks very much really enjoyed it
0: pleasure mark pleasure always happy to speak to you
1: fantastic all right well let's do this again like next year and see you know uh how how far you've gone mike but uh, listen have an awesome rest of your day
0: you too take care
1: Thank you for listening. Just before you go, let me ask you one question. Who in your network would make a great guest on the Resilient Recruiter podcast? I'm always on the lookout for interesting people to interview, recruitment entrepreneurs who embody the ethos of the Resilient Recruiter. If you're a regular listener, you'll know the kind of person I'm looking for. Ordinary men and women who have achieved extraordinary things, Specifically, I'm looking for someone with a great story to tell. Someone who's overcome adversity in pursuit of their goals and who's open to sharing their own mistakes and learning experiences with our listeners. In the words of previous guests, John Coxon and Alex Elliott, I'm looking for someone with humble confidence. They could be a top producing solo or independent recruiter or the owner of a fast growing firm. Maybe that person is you or maybe it's someone you know, send me your recommendations, mark at recruitmentcoach.com or feel free to nominate yourself. And if you think you meet the criteria I've just outlined, I'd love to hear from you. Like Once again, it's mark at recruitmentcoach.com. Remember to hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.